0: Welcome to the Arena Church podcast. We hope you enjoy the message. So welcome everybody to our next message from Arena Church. Welcome across all of our six campuses and also for those that uh, join us online, both from Arena and uh, new visitors and friends that have uh, found us over this uh, time of uh, online ministry. You're all welcome and it's good to join together. Our series part three is Great Comebacks and over the last couple of weeks Christian has been pointing us to the October 18th date when the buildings will be reopened with our series regarding Great Comebacks. In week one he reminded us of a woman that had suffered a debilitating illness for many many years and seemingly lost all hope but reached out to Jesus and her comeback brought a new day. And then last week, setbacks to the self-inflicted and we were taken to David and particularly Psalm 51, the great comeback psalm of uh, cleansing and, uh, and confession as David put his life right with the Lord. Great preaching uh, is also uh, prophetic preaching And last week's message certainly carried a prophetic heart. And prophecy often contains two elements. One, a calling or an encouraging, and two, a warning. And we got both of those strong last week. I hope you listen well. Today, we're looking at another aspect of great comebacks. And this time, not because we are doing something wrong, self-inflicted issues, but actually because we are doing something right. Right in the centre of God's will, be that individually or as a church, but obstacles, hurdles, barriers seek to come and press against us and create setbacks. I want us to freshly understand today that if we navigate these issues well, it will produce Come back blessings in the purpose of God. And so we come to our text for the message. It's found in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 16 to 18. The words of the Apostle Paul. And he said, Therefore, we do not lose heart, though outwardly we're wasting away, yet inwardly we're being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes, not on what is seen, but what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Therefore, that little word in the Bible often points us to the fact that there are other things going off, in the text and in 2 Corinthians the Apostle Paul opens up his heart regarding his ministry and yes even his ministry setbacks like no other book in the New Testament. Let me just give you a little summary of the verses that bring us to the therefore found in 2 Corinthians. Firstly there's integrity. He says we have not distorted the Word of God in verses one and two. I really want you to note that because the thread this morning of our message is going to particularly emphasise the setbacks when we are seeking to minister a mission, the Word of God. He didn't distort the Word. And then there was the thought of humility. They'd not preach themselves, but Jesus Christ, verses three to five. And then dependency, he says that this light of the gospel is contained in jars of clay, earthen vessels. And the literal language of the New Testament is really emphasising there that the pots and vessels that Paul described were what we would call to a penny. Ordinary, every day. And what an amazing truth it still is that our amazing God gives the extraordinary good news and still pours it through ordinary vessels in the earth like you, like me, to make a difference and to share with others. And then resiliency, he comes to verse eight and says, we're hard pressed on every side. He can say that again because he goes on to say, we've been crushed, perplexed, persecuted, and struck down. And if you want to dig over this a little bit more, then read 2 Corinthians 11 verses 21 to 33, because there we get the full catalogue of ministry setbacks that came to Paul and his apostolic team as they shared the good news in the known world of the first century. Read it carefully and you'll see that there were 23 external things that he listed, including beatings and shipwrecks and stonings and one internal call also. Because in verse 28 of that chapter, he says, "'Besides everything else, "'I face daily the pressure of my concern "'for all of the churches.'" Again, the text in its literal language is seeking to emphasize that something would really bear down on him as he sought to minister to the churches. I hope you're praying for pastors all over the country and the nations in this season because many of them have felt the pressure of leading local church in this pandemic season. It's not been easy. Therefore, Paul reminds us that things have come against him. Uh, But the Bible, the word of God, the word of truth, was his passion that it might prevail and touch people's hearts. Of course, he didn't have the word in print and together like we have now. The canon of scripture emerged in those early centuries. Of Christianity but he believed and taught the truth that has become part of the inspired word of God and if you'll go with me this day we're going to just try and use two or three illustrations to emphasize that when the word of God is sought to be ministered sometimes we have to overcome the setback. Now regarding the Bible, we don't believe in bibliology—that that is the worship of the Bible itself. But we do recognise bibliology, that is the worth of the word. And even the Bible itself has had to endure many setbacks. We have a spiritual enemy that knows that if he could extinguish the God-breathed Word, it would be a great win for darkness. And so he has used people to try and ban the Bible, banish the Bible, burn it and belittle it. We have aggressive atheists today that want to spend their life belittling the Word of God. One of our missionary partners who uh, has served God in Albania so faithfully for over 25 years, does that to a backcloth of a former regime, communist regime, where they declared themselves to be an atheistic society, and the Bible was banned in what we would call everyday use. Yet, the Bible itself has overcome the setbacks, and we shouldn't be surprised. Because the Bible says of itself, it will endure forever. And in that great Psalm 119 on the word of God, it declares forever, O Lord, your word is settled in heaven. And then of course, as I'll seek to show you, the Bible has not always been in the understandable language of people's lives. It was sometimes out of the reach of the ordinary people and there have, God has raised up men and women in history who have overcome setbacks to allow us to have free access to the amazing Word of God. Today, as believers and as the Christian church, seeking to do the will of God, it may be that you personally feel that you're going through a season of pushback, resistance, and discouragement crouches at the door of your heart, all for doing the right thing. God wants to encourage us this morning. He wants to remind us of one of the verses that has already been laid into this series from Philippians 1.6, that he who has begun a good work in you will carry it out to completion until the day of Jesus Christ so let's try and answer the question this morning how not to lose heart when setbacks come to our lives even when we're doing the right thing and verses 16 to 18 of the reading that I gave earlier will seek to give us hopefully some answers So how not to lose heart? Number one, by embracing eternity. He says in those verses that we have an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. The writer was aware of his mortality. He says outwardly we're wasting away. And however fit and healthy we are, we're all one day nearer eternity every day that we live. And uh, he, he realised he wasn't going to be here forever. And uh, none of us will be. Even uh, if we live to an amazing age like Captain Sir Tom Moore that has grabbed the headlines for uh, cheering us up in this difficult season as he exceeded his 100th birthday and raised nearly £40 million pounds for NHS charities. An amazing man. But in the light of eternity, even a hundred years is very, very little time. Here's the truth that I'd like you to consider this morning. So many Christians believe in eternity and yet often we live as though it doesn't matter. Here's the words from a great preacher and he said this, Knowing your purpose prepares you for eternity. Many people spend their lives trying to create a lasting legacy on earth. They, went, they want to be remembered when they're gone. Yet what, is, what ultimately matters most will not be what others say about your life, but what God says What people fail to realise is that all achievements are eventually surpassed, records are broken, reputations fade, and tributes forgotten. Living to create an earthly legacy is short-sighted in its goal. A wiser use of time is to build an eternal legacy. You weren't put on earth to remember it. You were put on earth to prepare for eternity. And remember, death is not your termination, but your transition into eternity. So there are eternal consequences to everything we do on earth. Every act of life strikes some chord that will vibrate in eternity. Let me give you my first illustration to underscore this this morning. One of my mission heroes, Jim Elliott, a 20th century uh, hero of God's purposes. Jim was born in the United States and in 1956, January 1956, having done much preparatory work, he set out with others to... Uh, establish a missions base uh, base to reach out to the Orca Indians of Ecuador in South America, a very aggressive and violent tribe, but Jim and others with a passion to win them for the gospel of Jesus Christ. I don't have time to unpack the story, but there was betrayal, there was treachery, and even prior to Jim Elliott's 30th birthday, he paid the ultimate price for seeking to take the gospel to these people. You can't get a greater setback than martyrdom. So what happened? Well, the reality was that the work went on. His wife, Elizabeth, who has only recently just passed away, and others continued the work And many, many people from the Orca tribe were one for Jesus Christ and confessed him as Lord. Here's what Jim Elliot said one day when he was ministering in the power of mission. He said this, he is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. I suggest that Jim Elliot Fully understood and embraced the eternal consequences over his life and his legacy lives on. Number two, not only embrace in eternity but also engage in priority. We fix our eyes not on what is seen. My question today is where is your gaze? Where is your vision? Where is your eye gate? Is it simply on the temporary? Is it simply on the next thing, the next possession, on something that's somehow going to bring you comfort? Or is your gaze on something higher? Because when we fix our gaze in the right direction and on the right things, it impacts everything. It brings a priority to our lives that means that God is front, back, and center. It means that we commit to ministering to the Lord, worship, meeting with believers, fellowship, maturing as a follower, discipleship, missioning to a world, workmanship. Or maybe I can put it in other language that has become such a part of Marina Church in the last few years. God wants you to know God, find freedom, discover your purpose, and then make an amazing difference. It happens when we put him first. So let me take you to the story of William Tyndale, who lived at the beginning of the 14th century. I know it's difficult for us to imagine in our nation, but for hundreds of years, ordinary people had no access to the Bible in the English language. And sadly, this was abused on occasions by the priesthood that would keep people deliberately in ignorance and use it in a controlling and manipulative way. But God is always raising people up to bring about his purpose. And so he got hold of a man called John Wycliffe. And the Wycliffe translation organisation still exists right across the world today. It's a passion for people to put the Bible in the language of uh, indigenous groups all around the world. And there is still... Much work to be done, even though we thank God for the amazing work of biblical translation now over centuries. People rising up to literally give their life's call to that ministry. Out of Wycliffe beginning to bring translation into the English language, Tyndale then wanted to print it. As a mass production, getting the Bible out to all sorts of different people. In fact, here was his vision statement. He says, I want the plowman, the plowboy, to have a Bible so that he will know more scriptures than the Pope. Wow, what a vision. And uh, uh, you think that. Uh, That would be a great call, but the reality was that authorities, religious authorities, governments were opposed to Tyndale's mission and vision of putting the Bible into the everyday language of people. He was literally hounded and on a number of occasions had to go and live in European countries across the channel to escape the authorities. Again, in 1536, he paid the ultimate price for his life's call. Yet, another setback. Within four years of his death, there had been four translations of the Bible published in the English language at the Edict of the King. The printed page lives on today. It lives on, of course, through books and journals, but it lives on through the internet, through all the uh, outlets that uh, this amazing technological revolution has brought to us in the last 20 years, and people with a Tyndale spirit still rising up to get the Word of God out in innovative ways to a 21st century, through apps, through connections, through uh, all sorts of uh, of, uh, situations that would have have been undreamed of even a generation ago. The spirit of Tyndale lives on and we thank God for it. And then thirdly, how can we encourage ourselves not to lose heart? By enduring perplexity. Paul talks about our light and momentary troubles. They hardly seem light or momentary, but that's how he described them. I want you to just think for a moment that you may on occasions feel that you're the only believer that lives with a why. God, why? Why? I want you to understand today that the reality is that if you've been a believer for any length of time, it's almost certain that you will live with a why because all believers live with a why. On the faith journey, the unexpected, the inexplicable setbacks, right in the centre of God's will that seemingly make little sense. Sharon and me have been on a journey of ministry and marriage and togetherness for over 40 years. And during that period of time, we've gathered some whys that we just have to leave with God. It may be the why of a broken relationship, the why of a sudden bereavement, the why of financial loss, the why of redundancy, the why of a seeming failure, the why of a bitter disappointment. And so we could go on. Maybe as you're listening right now, you are running to your particular why. And I want to say, that's okay. But don't let it define you. Don't let it limit you Be encouraged today to process it, to come through it, to endure it, even if you don't get it. And maybe you're going to have to wait till eternity to get an answer to your why. You see, we live in a day when everybody wants to know everything. But it's my persuasion that in our passion for certainty, on occasions, we have to process perplexity. It's what one preacher described as rogue wins. And so to my last illustration, Jim Elliott wanting to take the word of God to the Orca Indians in Ecuador. William Tyndale wanting to put the word of God in the hands of the masses. And thirdly, William Carey, An 18th, 19th century missionary known as the father of the modern missionary movement. I said earlier that God has put the gospel in jars of clay. And Carey was a cobbler from Northamptonshire. You'll know that Northampton and the county is known for its shoemaking. And this goes back centuries. An ordinary shoemaker, but with a passion for mission. And Kiri's motto in life was expect great things from God and attempt great things for God. What a faith statement. He went to India. And in the first seven years of his mission to India, he didn't see one convert. And then he began to see people coming to Christ. And one of the passions of the mission is that they would translate the scriptures into Indian dialect and so they created a printing house where translation work would take place and then they put that on the presses and be able to take it out to people that until that time had never had access to the word of God and then one night a setback because after 20 years work the printing press caught fire and burned down in one hour just these past few days we've seen the devastation of fire as two junior schools in Derby for whatever reason have caught fire work that teachers have done that kids have done the devastation that that brings all of the work seemingly ruined just for a moment think of that piece of work that you've done on your laptop maybe an article maybe a dissertation for your uni course, maybe a piece of homework. And I don't know whether you've done like me at times, but you've pressed the wrong button and you've deleted that piece of work. Oh, you can just feel it in your stomach. It seems as though everything's been wasted and you think you can never gather the inspiration again of what that piece of work was. You're desperately trying to think of what you wrote. Imagine 20 years of hard labour in translation of seeking to put the word of God, doing the right thing into the hands of the indigenous people up in smoke in an hour. What a setback. Carey says, The ground must be laboured over again. We are not discouraged. News of what had took place spread. It came back to the UK and other parts of the world. And more missionaries responded to the call to work with William Carey in the next season of life than ever before. And the ultimate result was that the work increased by a hundredfold and by the time of William Carey's death, they had translated the Word of God into 44 different languages and dialects in the great subcontinent of India. What an attitude. William Carey was asked as to the secret of his success. And he says, I will give it you in three words I can plod. Over 25 years ago, I remember being outside near my car and you know when sometimes even a believer can say something to you not to lift you up, but to put you down, it was one of those days. And he said to me, all you are is a plodder. Well, from those 25 years odd days, I'm still plodding. Sadly, the person that made that comment isn't. And you may just defy yourself as a plodder, But I encourage you, whatever setback comes, even when you sought to do the right thing, even when you're crying out to God in prayer at times, why? The ground must be laboured over again. We are not discouraged because we can plod. Setbacks. The definition for the word is a reversal or a check in progress. And often, they are not nice or pleasant. Yes, as we were reminded very strongly and passionately last week, on occasions, they're our faults. They can be self-inflicted. But here's the reversal this morning. They come sometimes when we're living passionately for our God. This season now well over 30 weeks old, can seem like it's been a setback for the church, both local and global. But let me remind you that setbacks, yes, even global pandemics, have come to the earth before, and the church has navigated them and come out of it stronger. And as we think of a literal comeback, our physical buildings but also a continued spiritual comeback of what God wants to do let's rise again to believe for great services many salvations dozens of restorations and the progressive purposes of God therefore we do not lose heart today we've been reminded that the Apostle Paul shared his heart to the people. He shared that he brought the word to them sincerely and conscientiously, not distorting it, not taking glory to himself, recognising that he was a human, frail vessel. And in all of that, setbacks came. But he prevailed and the word prevailed. And in our incredible challenges of this particular season, we'll prevail and the word of God will continue to endure forever, both generally in the earth and personally in our lives. So be encouraged. Don't lose heart by embracing eternity, by engaging priority. And yes, by even enduring your own particular perplexity, we don't lose hearts. The comeback's on. Let's pray. Every week in Arena Church, we never want to assume our audience, our listening audience. And as you know, it's been a, a strange time as we've sought to do this virtually. Many people have come on to the, uh, the, the service and it's been wonderfully prepared by our uh, technical team. And it could just be you this morning. Maybe you've been coming on for a few weeks. Maybe you got an invite from a friend. Maybe you've just been flicking through different churches and you're with us today. And you know that God has spoken to you. And so we love to give an opportunity for people that have never stepped into faith, I'd love to tell you that even when you become a Christian, you'll never have a problem, you'll never have a challenge, and you'll never have a setback. But actually, that is not true. But what I can say today is that God will always be with you. God will prevail in your life. And the one that today wants to start a good thing in you will carry on to completion until the day of Jesus Christ. And so there's a response button on the screen. And right now, if you'll connect with that, it's an expression of you desiring to start a faith journey with God through committing your life to Jesus Christ, receiving his forgiveness and the power of his new life to live for him. I'm going to pray in a moment that God will bless you. And for every believer across uh, our campuses, And across uh, the listeners today, I want to pray also that we won't lose heart, but we'll gain hearts. We'll push back on anything that would reduce us to less than what God has called us to be. Maybe even in these recent months, there's been a setback. Let's bring it to God. Let's fix our gaze afresh on him. And God will bring you through to an amazing comeback. Let's pray. So Father, thank you this morning. Thank you today that people are listening, engaging, logging on. And we ask for anybody that has never given their life to Jesus Christ, that right now, in the power of your spirit, you would woo them to yourself and they would bring their prayer of commitment to you that says, Lord Jesus I realize I've done wrong before you. I need to be forgiven. Come into my life, cleanse me, wash me, and cause me to follow you from this day forward in Jesus' name. And every believer, we ask, Lord, that none of us will lose heart, but will be encouraged again by the word of God, knowing that whatever setbacks come to our lives you are always there to bring a great comeback May it be so may this church and your church in the earth prevail in this season like never before and we give all praise and thanks to our lord and savior jesus christ amen and thank you for listening